Scripture passage this evening is Matthew chapter 9, verses 35 through 38. Matthew chapter 9, verse 35 through 38, to be found in your Pew Bible on page 1510. 1510. Here now the reading of God's holy, infallible, and inspired word. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them, because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful. The workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. As far as the reading of God's holy word, may he bless it to the hands, hearts, and minds of his people. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, bless the preaching of your word this evening. Or may it be accompanied by your spirit. That our minds might be enlightened to understand and to know how great, how deep, how wide your love is for us in Jesus Christ. And what it is that you've called us to as your redeemed people. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want you to imagine with me a laboring crew who have gone out in harvest time. In Jesus' culture, it was very agriculturally based. In some ministry contexts, people understand and relate to the rural elements of his stories. In fact, there would have been a time in South Holland with all the onion fields around where maybe a story like this about the field and the harvest would have hit home a little bit closer. But I want, to imagine, I want you to imagine with me a laboring crew has gone out to the harvest to bring in the crop. And they go to the tool shed every Sunday. And they study bigger and better methods of agriculture. They sharpen their hoes. They grease their tractors. And then they get up and they go home. And then they come back that night and they study bigger and better methods of agriculture. They sharpen their hoes and grease their tractors. And then they pack up and go home again. And they come back Wednesday night and... Again, study bigger and better methods of agriculture, sharpen their hoes, grease their tractors, and they get up and they go home. And they do this week in and week out, year in and year out, and nobody ever goes out to the field and gathers in the harvest. So we can fall into that pattern, can't we? I'm thinking that church is all about coming and sitting and listening and learning. And there is that element, but there's also the going, the sending, and the doing of the work of ministry. And that's what I want to talk about 
Tonight, the Spirit-empowered ministry preaches the gospel of the kingdom, is fueled by compassion, and supplied by prayer. Spirit-empowered ministry preaches the gospel of the kingdom, is fueled by compassion, and supplied by prayer. Now, how I want to go about examining this passage tonight is um, a little tricky, but I think it's going to benefit us. What we're going to do is we're going to look at Christ's ministry, his compassion, and his call to prayer. <coughs> Excuse me, sneeze. His ministry, his compassion, and his prayer. And then what we're going to do is show the organic connection that Christ's ministry, Christ's compassion, Christ's prayer, and the time of his ministry on earth connects to where we are today as his redeemed people, as the church, as the gathered in so many thousands of years following what Christ says here to his disciples. Okay? So hopefully we can do that. So let's first look at his ministry. Verse 35 of our text this evening says, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. Um, this is all word for word what Matthew has already said in Matthew chapter 4, starting in verse 23. When he says, Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness among the people. And so what we can gather from this phrase is that this is a representation of the character of Christ's ministry. This is what he did when he was on earth. This is what he did his three years of ministry among the people of Israel. He went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. This is the character of Christ's ministry. It's concerned with going around to all of the area. It's concerned with teaching about Christ, his kingdom, the nature of salvation in the synagogues where the people would gather, about preaching the good news of the kingdom, the kingdom of God, which has then come amongst them in Christ, which has arrived among them in Christ, and then of healing every disease and sickness. And Christ's work of healing every disease and sickness is a sign, it's a signature of the breaking in of the kingdom. In the kingdom of God, there is no sickness and there is no disease. And therefore, when Christ came into the world... He healed sicknesses and diseases and cast out demons. And what that was supposed to signify, show to us, is that the kingdom of God has come in Christ. In its fullness, no, of course not. We realize today that we still suffer from diseases and sicknesses. But Christ was showing that the kingdom was breaking in. And so that's his ministry. But what about his compassion? Verse 36 says, When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. 
So as Christ is traveling through the towns and villages, as he's bringing the good news of the kingdom, as he's healing every disease and sickness, he sees the crowd of Israelites, of the Jewish people, and he looks upon them with compassion because they are harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. What we have here is a very subtle accusation against the spiritual leaders of Christ's day. If these Israelites are sheep without a shepherd, harassed and helpless, it is because the shepherds who are to be watching over them are neglecting their work, neglecting their job. And when we read this passage about the compassion of Christ on these crowds of people that are like sheep without a shepherd, there could be many images that could come to our mind. We could think of how Christ says in John's gospel that he is the good shepherd. We could think of Ezekiel chapter 34, which I believe could be being alluded to here in this passage. When God comes to the prophet Ezekiel and he proclaims to them about in that time, Ezekiel's time, of the shepherds who were neglecting their duty. In verse 11 of Ezekiel 34, this is what it says. For this is what the sovereign Lord says, I myself will search for my sheep and look after them. As a shepherd looks after his scattered flock when he's with them, so will I look after my sheep. I will rescue them from all the places where they were scattered on a day of clouds and darkness. I will bring them out from the nations and gather them from the countries, and I will bring them into their own land. I will pasture them on the mountains of Israel and the ravines and all the settlements in the land. I will tend them in a good pasture, and the mountain heights of Israel will be their grazing land. He's condemning the shepherds who were to watch over the sheep in the time of Ezekiel. And following this, he says, Therefore, this is what the Sovereign Lord says to them in verse 20. See, I myself will judge between the fat sheep and the lean sheep. Because you shove with flank and shoulder, but butting all the weak sheep with your horns until you've driven them away, I will save my flock, and they will no longer be plundered. I will judge between one sheep and another. I will place over them one shepherd. My servant David, and he will tend them. He will tend them and be their shepherd. I, the Lord, will be their God, and my servant David will be prince among them. I, the Lord, have spoken. So even in the time of Ezekiel, God is condemning the shepherds who have neglected the work of keeping care, taking care of the flocks of Israel, the sheep. And he says that he will place over them one shepherd, David. And here is that descendant of David. The shepherd, Jesus Christ, who is here looking upon these crowds with compassion and saying, they are like harassed and helpless sheep without a shepherd. So we've looked at his ministry. What about his compassion? We've looked at that. Finally, his prayer. He sees these crowds, right? And he says to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. So we have the analogy of the sheep and the shepherd, but now Jesus is saying, this is like a field, and the harvest has all grown up. And ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. It's almost as if Christ is envisioning this overflowing harvest. The harvest is so full, it's not enough. There's too much 
fruit to bring in, too much product, too much crop to bring in, and there's not enough workers to accomplish this task. And so Christ calls on his disciples to pray to the Lord of the harvest, the Father who is in heaven, that he might send more workers out into the harvest field to bring this in. Christ calls on his disciples to pray. But like I said earlier, I think we need to do a little work in bridging the context of this passage. From what Christ was talking about and speaking about in his day here in Matthew chapter 9 to where we stand today in redemptive history. And so in order to do that, in order to go from Christ's ministry to our ministry, from Christ's compassion to the compassion we're called to have, to Christ's call for his disciples to pray, to our call for the disciples to pray. Let's dig into the text a little bit more. In verse 35, Jesus says, we hear of Jesus, that he went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, healing every disease and sickness. If you look at chapter 10, we see Jesus sends out the 12 disciples. He called his 12 disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out evil spirits, to heal every disease and sickness, and names the 12 disciples. And then it says in verse 5, Jesus sent out the, follow, the 12 with the following instructions. Don't go among the Gentiles or any town of the Samaritans. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. As you go, preach the message. The kingdom of heaven is near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. And so, Christ's mission, his ministry, is recognized by a teaching in the synagogues, a preaching of the good news of the kingdom, of healing every disease and sickness, and that's exactly what he sends his disciples out to do. We read in verse 36 that Christ had compassion on the crowds because they were sheep without a shepherd. And in verse, uh, verse 6 of chapter 10, we see, go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. And so the nearest context for Christ's compassion is that of his own people. He sees them as sheep without a shepherd. But there is, in chapter 10, an interesting tension between the work of ministry that Christ is calling his disciples to in that moment with such urgency and the work of ministry that would come afterward that they would be called to do and accomplish as Christ's witnesses in Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth as we talked about this morning. In, verse, in chapter 10, we're told that they are to only go to the lost sheep of Israel, that they are not to go among the Gentiles or to enter any town of the Samaritans. But later on, in chapter 10, we're told that they will be brought before local councils, that they will be brought before governors and kings as witnesses to them and to the Gentiles. That there is this sense of urgency about the work going around in the promised land that Christ is calling them to. Almost as if he's saying, this is coming to a close. This needs to happen now. There's a small window of time within which you can reap the harvest, which you can bring it in. Otherwise, the crop is lost. Otherwise, the crop is ruined. Yet, even in the midst of that, 
Christ gives words in chapter 10 to his disciples that seem to speak of the future that is to come. He talks about how all men will hate you because of me. But he who stands firm to the end will be saved. He talks about when you are persecuted in one place, flee to another. I tell you the truth. You will not finish going to the cities of Israel before the Son of Man comes at the end of history. He talks about whoever acknowledges me before man, I will also acknowledge him before my Father in heaven. Whoever disowns me before man, I will disown him before my Father in heaven. It's almost as if he is bringing the end of the age near. He talks about how he's come to bring a sword and not peace, a man against father. So there's tension in chapter 10 between the urgency of the mission and the work that Christ is calling his disciples to in that moment within a particular context that's to the people of Israel, to the lost sheep of Israel, to bring them the good news of the kingdom, to see that they have visible understanding and knowledge of the inbreaking of the kingdom and the signs. But there's also that looking forward to the future. And that's why I believe it's okay for us to look at this passage, Matthew chapter 9, verse 35 through 38. And bridge the gap between Christ's ministry, Christ's compassion, his call to prayer, and us. Because I said, our theme this evening is spirit-empowered ministry preaches the gospel of the kingdom, is fueled by compassion, and supplied by prayer. Because what we read here concerning Christ's work of ministry is also true of the place that we are as we continue the ministry of Christ by the Holy Spirit poured out upon us on the day of Pentecost. So Christ's ministry is characterized by the preaching of the gospel of the kingdom. It should be for us as well. And that's why I said spirit-empowered ministry preaches the gospel of the kingdom. Verse 35, it says, Jesus went through all the towns and villages teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. We, as Christ's ambassadors, those who are continuing his work of ministry, should be those who are teaching, who are preaching about the good news of the kingdom that has come in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. He is the first fruits of the new heavens and the new earth. We proclaim that. We proclaim forgiveness of sins in his name. But what are we to do with this healing every disease and sickness? We know that Christ's ability to do this was particularly a sign act. Even the apostles, as they continued in the book of Acts, with these signs of healing diseases and sicknesses, it was to verify that they were carriers of the message of God, speakers of the very word of God, as witnesses. But what we could do with the concept of healing every disease and sickness would be something along the lines of we are not to so focus on the preaching of the gospel of the kingdom that we forget to do the work of the kingdom, which is, can be seen as feeding the hungry, 
He would shout to the poor. Caring for the needs of those who are less fortunate. It's so easy, is it not, to put up a wall, a division between those two things. That it ought to be all one or all the other. And what I would say is, the work of caring for those mercy ministries, right? It's not complete, it's not full without the preaching of the gospel of the kingdom. And I would say the preaching of the gospel of the kingdom does not come in all its power if it's not accompanied by works of mercy ministry. We must do both. What I mean by that is very simple. If you want someone to be attentive to your desire to share with them the good news of Jesus Christ, it might be a good idea to not be a not very likable person. One who's not hospitable, unwilling to open their household to somebody. One who is not willing to be generous, caring. How about this? I'll put it this way. Christ's teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness is part and parcel with his compassion upon the people. It's not a pity. We don't look upon them and think of them as less than we are. It's compassion. A desire to see that they experience the goodness of God and Jesus Christ that we have. And when our hearts are open to others in such a way, we might not find it as difficult to open up our homes, our wallets, to them as well. Spirit-empowered ministry preaches the gospel of the kingdom. It's fueled by compassion. Verse 36, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. We are to model Christ's compassion for his people. We are to see in that a desire that they would come to know the good shepherd of the sheep who does not lose any of his sheep. Who leaves the 99 to find the one. Who wants to bring all of his sheep whom he's purchased into the fold. Evangelism. Spirit empowered ministry will not happen. If we do not have compassion. If we are not fueled by compassion. And the great principle of compassion, the great ideal that we need to get into our heads is this, the image of God. We, all of us, every single one of us, are made in the image of God and are worthy of dignity and respect and honor for that reason. 
that we all belong to the same family, the family of Adam and Eve. And that we all would be in the same place of condemnation and deserving of hell if not for the grace of God. And the very fact that we are undeserving of the grace of God that we have received means that we cannot look down upon others who have not yet received it. But when we look upon the crowds around us and we look upon the people that we experience in our daily lives that we bump into, what we need to have principally is compassion. Compassion for their state of being under the condemnation and wrath of God and hope for them that they may come to know Jesus Christ as their Savior. Spirit-empowered ministry preaches the gospel of the kingdom and is fueled by compassion. And lastly, it's supplied by prayer. Verse 37, he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his heart of his field. Jesus told his disciples in that moment that they should take note that the harvest is a great harvest, but the workers are few. And when he said those words, he was speaking of the people of Israel. But now in the fullness of time, in the revelation of Jesus Christ, who is a light to the Gentiles, that harvest of the ethno people of Israel has exploded into all peoples, nations, tribes, tongues. And so if in that moment Christ could say to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few, even more so now we can say the harvest is plentiful because the harvest is the world. The workers are few. And what I find interesting about Christ's words here, when he says, then ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field, is that when he was calling his disciples to pray for harvest workers, they themselves became the answer to their own prayers. When he called the 12 disciples in the very next verse and sent them out to do the work of ministry, to bring in the harvest. There is the element here, particularly, of praying to the Lord that he would send shepherds, right? To care for the flocks, church leaders, preachers of the gospel of the kingdom. Ministers who are to do the work of evangelism. Yet, nonetheless, there is an element of the work of ministry that belongs to us all. In the office of believer, we are called to be prophets, priests, and kings who carry the name of Christ, as our catechism says, to proclaim the name of Jesus Christ as prophet, priest, and king. In the office of believer. And part of that work is to pray to the Heavenly Father 
that he would send out workers into his harvest field. And when we pray, we should pray that the Lord would bless places like the seminaries that educate and train pastors. We should pray that the Lord would call people to the mission field like Japan and West Africa like we prayed for today. But we should not be surprised if when we are praying for the Lord of the harvest to send out harvest workers that he does not tug on our hearts to be the answer to our very own prayers. Because it's easy, is it not, to pray that others would go, to pray that others would open their mouths, to pray that others would share the good news of Jesus Christ. It's harder to ask the Lord to give you strength to do that. That each and every one of us would open our mouths to proclaim the gospel of the kingdom, would be fueled by compassion for those who are outside the fold, that we would become the answer to our very own prayers. That in our prayers, we ourselves are being changed to become kingdom workers and kingdom-minded people. Spirit-empowered ministry preaches the gospel of the kingdom is fueled by compassion and supplied by prayer. I want to end by considering the illustration that I began with. It's a bit of a funny story. The concept of people gathering to talk about ways that they would farm and bring in their crop and talking about how to do that and the best way to do that and opening up farming books and studying the the best methods, but never actually going out and bringing in the harvest. My challenge to us And this Christmas season, when so many opportunities present themselves to us to talk about the Christ of Christmas, that we would not be those people who simply gather on Sunday morning and evening and fill our bellies full of the words of Christ and the grace of Christ but never share it. Never give it. Never pass it out. I say spirit-empowered ministry because as I spoke of this morning we have been empowered by God's spirit to do this very work. To bring the good news of Jesus Christ to the people in our lives. And I pray this Christmas season and this year ahead of us, Cottage Grove would be a church filled with people who are desiring to do spirit-empowered ministry to share the gospel of the kingdom in this community and to those we love and those we don't even know yet, that we would be fueled by compassion for others and that we would pray to the Lord of the harvest 
that he would send out workers into his harvest field. That we would not simply gather around to talk about the way we should harvest, but that we would actually go into the field and bring it in. May the Lord grant us his grace to do that. Amen. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you for these words. We ask, Lord, that you would give us your grace. We see in our Savior's ministry and his compassion on his people and his call to his disciples to pray. The ministry that we're called to the compassion we're called to have and the prayer that we're called to pray. Lord, may we be emboldened to share the gospel of the kingdom that has come in the death, burial, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus Christ, our Savior. May we be fueled by compassion for those in this world who are tossed to and fro by sin and darkness and the devil, who are harassed and helpless and like sheep without a shepherd. May we bring them into the fold and show them to the good shepherd, the one who will not lose his sheep, but protects them and guards them from wolves. And Lord, may we continue to pray for you, knowing that the harvest of this world is plentiful, that the purchase of Christ by his blood, of people from every tribe, tongue, and nation has yet to be brought in. But we need more workers. Lord, we would pray that you would help us not to consider ourselves outside of that category, but that you, Lord, would work upon our hearts. That we, in a way that we have not in many years or have not ever, step into the field, the harvest field, to bring in that harvest. By your grace and for your glory. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.